The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? And you're welcome along Top of Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five o'clock this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. It is the title decider. Don't miss Man City versus Aston Villa on Super Sunday, live only on Sky Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation as well. Listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. We're joined by the former Republic of Ireland international, David Myler, football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broad caster and journalist Johnny Ward between now and five lads are you well all good JD good JD yeah and David all good lads big big day for you David Sunderland Wickham playoff final yeah well I don't know about a big day for me JD but obviously Sunderland's a former club um, of mine um, I spent some great years there met some great people who are still involved with the club and then of course um, when I had my knee injuries the club was very good to me so it'd be great to see them you know obviously start that upward curve trying to get back to the Premier League and you know, they have an awful record at Wembley in playoff finals, so it'll be nice to see them, you know, obviously get the job done today and win. Did you see there was a Sunderland fan who went to, who flew to Wembley via Spain because it was cheaper <laughs> to get there than it was to get the train down? Because the trains are so expensive in the, the UK. I know, I'm sure David would notice if he's travelled down to London or whatever. Um, you know, I know he's had his footballer money or whatever. Maybe, you know, he gets his own, <laughs> gets his own driver or something. But like, it is actually, like, there's, there's been a Sunderland exodus down there. Like, I think... Stephen it, Elliott was on Twitter. I saw Stephen Elliott, but like, there was some suggestion that like, you know, 50 50,000 fans travelling right. or stuff like that so this this punter realised that actually he could get a 28 euro flight or a 28 sterling flight to Spain do a night there somewhere and fly from there to London it was the cheapest way to do it I was sort of thinking like you know is there people out there who've been like what's the most ingenious route they've yeah. ever used to get yeah. to a game because you would sometimes uh, meet Ireland fans uh, say at the away matches and let's say you're playing well, actually, I'm going to Armenia, I suppose, in a couple of weeks. I don't know, is that a great example? But you'd meet people at an Ireland game who've flown via Riga or somewhere, yeah. done two or three nights on the way to a game or, or found some unusual route to a match. But I think Sunderland to London via Spain is definitely uh, is definitely up there as a, as a little bit of a tangent. I think Kia for Liverpool uh, in the Champions League final was a route that a lot of Irish lads would have yeah. taken. Maybe a bus or campervan or something going yeah I can imagine yeah no I think and I, I'm trying to think like even when, when Ireland were in the Euros in Poland I know everyone descended on Poland but I think there was people who like you know made their own way there through different different parts of the world you know they saw different places uh, as you go into Central Europe or whatever there's the, the the variety the options are open to you as well so you do yeah as I said at these Ireland games you sometimes happen upon the occasional fan who has some like Weird Johnny Ward story of how they got there there you go yeah. Johnny's a man who once went to Tbilisi for a game that was in Germany <laughs> but there is a, yeah. there is a logical what, the, story behind the that. Mines yeah. game yeah because it was my, my first away game and um, I booked it well in advance like un, unusually I was actually quite prepared and then um, Russia invaded um, South Ossetia and Abkhazia or rather came in and dealt with uh, Saakashvili what he was doing in Georgia so um, even though Tbilisi was actually quite safe at the time um, you could see the um, I guess the, the the evidence that a war had taken place, but I was like, I have no real interest in going to Germany here. So I watched the game in Georgia, and uh, actually I remember like getting on the plane in I don't know where the intermediate kind of uh, airport was, could have been Tallinn or somewhere like that. 
and like the plane, I think there were 10 people on the plane to Tbilisi and uh, I woke up the next morning like kind of gingerly in a hotel that I was recommended by um, somebody in the airport uh, and it was this guy, uh, he was a Portuguese photojournalist and uh, he was telling me he used to drink, his favourite pub was Mulligan's in Poolbeg Street and I was like, that's mine that, as well. That, that is probably mine as well, so yeah. there he goes. And uh, you know the way like famous pub with uh, Con Hula and all that and we've been friendly ever since and uh, we got on a bus together to... Uh, Gori, which is the birthplace of Stalin, and um, watched the game outside some bar in Tbilisi. And we got Glenn Whelan scored, didn't he? He was he did, yeah. News, yeah. yeah. Um, bad mistake with the keeper. Was that Trap's first game? It was, it was Trap's first competitive game, game yeah. yeah. So, yeah. September away. I think it did, the FAI put a bit of pressure on, I think, for the game to be moved when the conflict took place. Mm. But then by the time the game came around, as you said, the conflict at ease. And the Georgians held that against Ireland for years. Wow. And that's why the Georgians were always. <laughs> up for it when they were oh. playing uh, and, and I'm sure David probably would have played in a couple of those sticky games with, with Georgia uh, that they they felt that um, Ireland tried to capitalise on their situation they probably to, get, did. to get the game moved to, away to be yeah. fair JD I did um, like I've only been to I think three Ireland away trips one of them was um, the game David played in actually in Cardiff and the other two were in Tbilisi or sorry the other two Actually, sorry, it wasn't even that an away trip there. I was in Tbilisi to watch <laughs> Ireland. But the other time I went to Tbilisi was to actually see the Ireland game, which was a horror show of a game. But what a city. Like, it's the coolest place. Really friendly, really unique, um, quite cheap, gorgeous, like, pr- proper, proper away trip. I loved it, have to say. Yeah, that was post... Um that was post coup or democracy when democracy came in. I was there in 03. It was scary, scary place back then. the game where there was a double header with Georgia Albania. Albania yeah, was, was that, was that one where the knife was thrown yeah, out to the yeah, pitch? Was yeah, to, it, was, it was the most hostile atmosphere I've ever been in. Added in Georgia? Was, yeah, yeah. It was It was crazy. Really? It was absolutely yeah. crazy. Uh, David, have you been on any circuitous trips uh, in your football career? Um, I'm trying to, I just as obviously you mentioned it there, I was trying to think. Um, obviously, it's only since I've retired I've started kind of going to games as an away fan. Um, you know, traveling, but I still don't travel with the fans all the way. Um, I just, I can't think of any that I've done obscurely. I, I do remember being at Sunderland, or, or no, we were at Hull. Um, we were playing Brighton. Um, this is in 2012. Would have been, would have been 12, 13 season, the first time it was promo, promoted with Hull. But we got in the bus at Hull and drove to Birmingham stopped to train and we trained for an hour and a half and then got back on the bus and went down to Brighton that was kind of one that was didn't understand it at all but that was one of them ones where we thought what are we doing here it's a bit off I'm just thinking David because it is one of the things about like the the footballer's life that I, I don't know I'm sure you've been to loads of countries with Ireland you know over the years and Georgia a couple of places but it is sort of uh, from from what we hear and what we see. It's sort of like you fly there, you fly to your hotel, you spend time in your hotel, and you go to the to the match. Like I, I assume you didn't get a huge amount of time. You might see people out for a walk, maybe now and again around the hotel. But it's it's not as if you really see these countries, is it? You're sort of uh, no. You just you just yeah, go. I, it's a, it's a sort of a formula you follow every time. Yeah. So like just for argument's sake, say if we were playing if we were playing Georgia on a Tuesday. Um, You'd inevitably train. You train on the Sunday. You might play out Sunday evening. Um, you'd arrive like you you land. Obviously, you're you're usually on a private plane or whatever. So you're ushered straight onto the bus. The bus is waiting for you. Mm. Um, you'll get on the bus. You go straight to the hotel. You'll have your team up. Who's waiting at the hotel will hand out all the room cards. You go to your room. 
you're told then dinner's at such and such, you go down for dinner, then you kind of like, you know you've got a game coming up and you, you might be a little bit tired, but then following morning you wake up, um, you go training or do you know what I mean? And then that's kind of it. You don't really leave the hotel because you don't know where you're going. Um, it's only the morning of a game, you might go for a 15, 20 minute stroll around mm. wherever you are. So you don't get to see a lot of the city. Um, that's the big thing. Like even though like me and my dad love to do this, we kind of go and we like list off the amount of countries we've been to in the world. Um, and I've been all over Eastern Europe with, you know, certainly with Ireland and whatever. And my time with Hull playing those games we played, say in Europa League or whatever, and you go to different places. Like I've never really seen a lot of those cities. Um, but I've been to loads of different countries. Very good. Uh, Sligo Rovers won Cork City nil in the Women's National League. Emma Doherty on the mark for Sligo. It is Shelburne nil. DLR Waves nil. It'll be a Kerry Antrim final in the Joe McDonough Cup. So, Carlo beat Offaly by 22 points to 17 at O'Connor Park. Uh, Down were 228 to 219 winners over Meath and Ballycran. And uh, Kerry beat Antrim by 29 points to 221 in Cargan Park. But they'll meet again half four Saturday the 4th of June Croke Park. Antrim against Kerry in the Joe McDonough Cup final. At the moment it is Sunderland nil, Wickham nil in the League 1 playoff final. Rangers are taking on Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. That is goalless as well. What do you think about tomorrow then, Davis? The Premier League title race, uh, not over. You never know. We saw with Aguero 10 years ago um, that there could be twists and turns between City and Liverpool. It's likely to be City, but never over until yeah. the fat lady sings. Yeah, you, you just, just look, you expect Man City to go and you know beat Villa. Um, certainly being at home, if it was at Villa, you might say, OK. But I was there recently with Nathan um, covering the Newcastle game and just... To watch Manchester City live was just something else. The way they can control a game, they dictate the pace, the way they move the ball. Um, you just can't really see them slipping up. Uh, likewise with Liverpool against Wolves, I can't really see Liverpool slipping up. I think both teams will win. Um, but at the same time, it is the final day. I imagine there'll be a few twists and turns. I imagine there'll be a bit of excitement. But at the end of the day, I still expect both teams to win. And unfortunately, Liverpool will just come up short. Do you think the City players will be nervous? Ooh, um, I won't say no. I think they'll be. I think. I think they're probably so used. To, obviously, like they're going for four and five years, so they're well used to being in this kind of situation of going for league titles. Because at every point, they're they're going to win the Premier League title. Um, so I imagine they'll be a lot of them will be excited. They'll be looking forward to it. Um, it's in their hands, um, and it's just it's it's ninety minutes of football. Um, I, I I believe those a lot of those Manchester City players will relish the challenge. You might have you know the the odd player like say a Grealish who's going for his first league title that might be a bit like oh god like do you know what I mean I'm about to actually win a Premier League title here. Um, but the majority of them they're well oiled machines. They're used to being in these kind of situations. I think that's inevitably why they come up short the Champions League. It's a bit, it's a bit different for them. They're not used to it, um, but certainly I'd expect them to be fine. I expect them to be buzzing. Sunderland have scored one nil to Sunderland in the League One playoff final. Yeah, it's a driving run through the midfield, and it's a hell of a strike. I don't think the goalkeeper is going to be happy about no, it. No, we're going to see the replay. I don't know. Is it one where the the flight of the shot sort of is uh, deceiving in some ways? But. Um, 
Yeah, Sunderland won up. They'd have to see Daryl Horgan on the Wiccan side there. He's obviously the Irish involvement. Well, Sunderland have a player born in Dublin. Ambleton is Ambleton with a goal. Yeah. Is it Eden? Eden's not involved. No, he's, 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 no, he's I not. He's on the bench. Yeah, he's not. He's um, he hasn't actually been involved that much in recent weeks. I'm not sure. Like he's, he was obviously so brilliant for them last season, but I'm not sure how, did he have a knock or has he just fallen out of favour? But um, just watching it here. Oh, actually, oh the goalkeeper. Oh, the goalkeeper is dreadful. Yeah, Elliot Embleton yeah. with the goal for Sunderland. In I don't that think he took a deflection. Actually. No, I think it's just a, it's a it's a sort of a thunderbolt shot with a the flight and of it. Him. Moves. The ball moves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sunderland have a lot of like Irish fans. Yeah. yeah, look. No, there is a there's a there's a the left back playing for Sunderland it's an interesting story he actually was at Spurs JD as a youth Dennis Serkin is his name yeah, yeah, England underage international but born, born, in, born in Dublin, Dublin yeah, 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 yeah he yeah. played against Ireland a couple of years back I and remember people were yeah. like what the it's Moldovan family I think so. I remember him being on the periphery of that yeah the he, was, he wasn't too yeah. far away no um, but yeah I think tomorrow like I think the thing with City is it feels like they had their wobble against West Ham that, that first half last week and even how they reacted to that and they, they come out I know they missed the penalty and all um, and they could have won it but you just feel like they've had their moment there and I know Villa you know Jared has used a couple of players in different ways but in fact even they played on Thursday you're just thinking City of a whole week to wait for this yeah. how can how can they let it slip it would be a spectacular failure if they did uh, 53106 did Johnny just say that Stalin was born in Wexford I did not know that Corey yeah, yeah. <laughs> Corey with the eye yeah it was um there was a big statue to him, JD, um, which obviously we took photos of, um, despite the fact that he was responsible for the deaths of like 60 million people or something like that. Um, None in Russia, by the way. I didn't see one Stalin statue in Russia, all Lenin statues. Yeah, I think the statue was actually, it was torn down like not that long after we were there. And there was like his home, his home, um, his actual home, I think, where he was born was kind of a, um, some sort of a museum or something. But um, yeah, as I, as I wrote at the time, um, you know, I think the locals liked him because he was dead. Joseph Jugashvili, I think it was his name. Joseph Jugashvili, yeah, complex character. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 53106, it was in Lanzarote Airport on Tuesday night. Met two Rangers fans who got a bus from Glasgow to Manchester Airport and flew to Lanzarote, waited six hours, then flew to Seville. Yeah. yeah I know someone who was in Portugal during the week who was, there was a flight full of Rangers fans home as well so all sorts of different planes, trains and automobile stuff without, without, without JD's laughing at something here this is well, going to be good <laughs> what is it George JD? JD I've got one for you go on I was in, I was in Dublin airport um, I would have been there Tuesday Tuesday evening and I've never seen so many Ranger shirts in Dublin airport in my life mm. right that's probably getting a lot yeah, of I'm going to go from Belfast maybe I'm going to go well, I, I kind of looked at it maybe maybe coming over from Glasgow, might have flown, and then obviously, mm. like you said, probably fellas coming down from the north or whatever. But I was kind of walking through, like, wow. Like, had the Union Jack hats on, the whole shebang, the whole six yards. We're a tolerant um, country, sure. How did we feel when they lost? I actually, I'm a bit indifferent I'm to it, to be honest. Yeah. I have to say, I um, I actually think, I, I think if they'd been playing a more traditional European superpower, if they'd been playing, I don't know, like a team that didn't care about it, you know, the team that didn't care about the competition, like sort of, a, I don't know, Barcelona or something, you'd be, you sort of might even be, party would be indifferent Up to the, the underdog. underdog. I'm not a Celtic fan, so I know that Celtic fans, to them, it was a sweet moment, and I understand that, that's the nature of football rivalry, like it's a natural to feel that way, but 
not necessarily not necessarily for me you were smiling at something yeah, JD yeah, I feel no, this is going to be good uh, we're, we're about to talk about it after four and uh, you know I know people are sick of us talking about it but it's really funny Aaron and Galway 53106 Mick and Roy should buy a camper van together hire a TV crew and make a documentary as they travel across the world back to Saipan and discuss their views on life I'm, I'm sort of well yeah I'm surprised someone hasn't gone to the island for the 20 year anniversary like you know <laughs> just to see what what the crack is there but yeah I, I see what you mean some kind of concept thing where you bring back you know bring as many people back as you can there like like, uh, like people returning to the Big Brother house years later or something like that. 20 years today they had the row the goalkeepers and Roy on the uh, on the pitch inside pants. Yeah, so. I, th- I think we might need to move on but maybe after 5 o'clock today. Yeah. Um, I think it says an awful lot what's wrong about the modern world where you've like the most ridiculous heatwave in Spain that they've ever had at this time of year and a geezer is able to go via Spain to go watch a game in his own country because it's a lot cheaper than getting the train. I think that's where this madness, the absolute madness of our modern day, Judy. Yeah, the world is out of control, isn't it, a bit? Um, it, like it's 42 degrees in Madrid in May and whatever and somebody's able to fly via Spain to go to London from Sunderland because it's cheaper than the train. That's not good. Not good yeah, at all. Yeah, always those advanced, those advanced tickets are important. Um, <laughs> that's, that is actually the most JD moment ever. I, I think that no, is, no, I think that is absolutely <laughs> class. That's completely beside my point, but you are right. The Biff Tannen gets in advance. The Biff Tannen is the best moment. The Biff Tannen. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave, we all have our things Johnny's is oh, climate change JD's is advanced tickets you know we all have we all have things that energise in us in fairness though t- like train tickets are insanely expensive in Britain no doubt but um, yeah that was true. a great he moment. is right about the advanced tickets Johnny's <laughs> feature he actually is but anyway. D- David brings some sanity to the proceedings uh, Liverpool look and the record books will tell that you won both the FA Cup and League Cup it's been an interesting time to be a, a Liverpool aficionado it is. And a lot of people have said, will Liverpool's season be a success if they were to obviously lose the City and finish second and then lose the Champions League final? It's it's such a difficult one because to be fighting on all fronts come the last day um, is just a remarkable achievement in itself. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't even have the answer um, to think like if they were to lose the City and then lose to Madrid, like, is it is it seen as a failure? Like, what way would G3 look at it? It's I not, don't know. It's not, it's not a failure. Like, even if Liverpool didn't win anything at the moment beyond what they've won, they've had an amazing season. It's been so difficult for them. They were so far behind Man City. I mean, if if what what are your parameters here, Dan? Like, they've had an incredible season. Like, Yeah, I, I'm coming around to thinking it actually is an incredible season. And again, I understand, like, some of this will just be sort of, if they do lose, they'll probably lose out tomorrow. We'll see with the Champions League final, the way it works out. Um, naturally, if they do, like, in the nature of sort of fan banter, as you say, or Whatever, they'll get slaughtered and people say I know but when you think about it like at the start of the season the discussions we were having that they got into the Champions League from Alisson last year when th- the feeling was like you know Liverpool are sort of maybe are they gone like that was the discussion at the start of the season like yeah maybe they might have recharged the battery some of the players but there was that slight niggling feeling of you have your era and you have your time at the top of the mountain and you've been competing at that level for a couple of years and maybe this is just a little bit of a drop off time and to go from that to playing in every game you possibly can with every one of those games meaning something um 
that is that is an incredible season. I mean, of course, the, the you know the, the if they were to lose the Champions League final, then maybe it fades into memory a little bit, fa- you know, a little bit quicker because you'd imagine in the coming years they might win that competition again, and and then this season sort of gets forgotten a small bit. But I think in the here and now, it is it is an exceptional year. It's not something that was expected of them. Like I think, you know, if you'd said at the start of the season, what do you think Liverpool will play in every comp, you know, the will reach the final of every competition or bring the league to the last day of the season it's not something that like yeah you would expect it of them you'd probably expect it of Man City in a way but you wouldn't expect it of, of Liverpool to do it that it would also so. be a catastrophic failure if Man City didn't win the league there's no no get away from no. that like it's still I don't think they'll rate this a particularly successful season they should be winning the league and they shouldn't be losing to, to Real Madrid in my view it's the way they lost to Real Madrid. Yeah. yeah. It's the, the, maybe the leadership issues there. Um, uh, I, I think with Liverpool, it is a very successful season because they've won everything under Klopp. If they hadn't won a league, mm. if they hadn't won a Champions yeah. League, they'd be, oh, well, we fell short again or whatever. But they've done it. They've done well. He's won every single trophy of the club. And also, the other night, I really felt, um, he said it talked about Ferraris in the garage, David. Like, the, the, there must be a, a fantastic culture there. If you see all the players who are on the periphery getting a chance against Southampton and delivering. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing. We can talk about the, the style of football Jurgen plays and the way he has all these players drilled and they know exactly what they're doing, but it's his man management of the players. Like if you look at you know, Curtis Jones was tipped, you know, over the last couple of years to really kick on. He's he's hardly featured this year. Obviously Harvey Elliott is another one. I know he had a horrific injury. Um Minamino, even I know Firmino is another one, a prime example, but then they all came back in and they're able to hit this level of performance okay it wasn't a perfect performance but like to think when was the last time they were all on a pitch together and to be able to you know get a result when it was so you it, it was crucial Liverpool had to and even when they went 1-0 down you think they just they found ways to get back into the game um, and they seen it out and that's testament to what he's been able to do and obviously with his remark it's like having Ferraris in the garage um, those players all buy into what he's about they want to play for him would you want to prefer? Would you prefer to play for Klopp or Pep, uh, David? It's like asking me to pick between my son and my daughter. Right. Um, this even is a simple I'm answer, David. Sure, nobody wants to play for Pep. It's way too demanding. No crack at all. Like, no, but it, it, it's in, in my opinion, it's two totally different styles in terms of the path. David's just uh, we just lost him for a moment there, but. Um, yeah, Klopp. I, like, Klopp I is Klopp. demanding too. I, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'd say it's incredibly demanding to play for Klopp. I know it is, he, it is. he has a he has maybe a. Uh, I listen, you can see he has an arm around the shoulder quality in his relationship with the players, but I still think like it's a very demanding. I would imagine it's a very demanding existence, you know. And and Johnny, I don't know. Like, you I mean Johnny, you you like a bit of praise sometimes. Would you not think like a bit of praise? Well, so do you. Yeah, I mean, I know. Are you looking at me? I mean, no, we all like I, a bit of praise. I, know, I mean, I, I, I'm hardly unique in that regard. No, no, but it's I'm not just, like I'm that insecure <laughs> that I demand praise. <laughs> I am. But, but uh, I'm just saying that you, you you specifically said you wouldn't want to play for Pep. No, but yeah, if I, I had a choice, I think Klopp would be. But just imagine the, the buzz you get from a Pep saying a well done. Rare and fleeting. Yeah, um, I'm not saying he, he would give you praise often but if he did you would 
you know what I mean I think that there's this element of like players are probably constantly trying to prove themselves to him it's probably a different relationship in some respects but mm. it can be very rewarding for players as well it's a, bit, it's a bit like me and you like when you do give me that little word of praise every few years it really means a lot it does yeah <laughs> all I can we're, say, due, all we're due one in around 18 months I think so I'm looking forward to it all I can say lads Dan and Johnny you do a great job on football Saturday and you know we really appreciate it here uh, the listeners figures, really appreciate it very good the guy who actually was supposed to go to the Tbilisi game with me just texted me there I'm not, I'm not sure I can name him because there were aspects of his going to the Germany trip eventually when he didn't go to Tbilisi but he said God I would have loved to have gone to Tbilisi which I'd forgotten we were supposed to go together he, we booked the tickets together but he decided to go to Mainz I went to Tbilisi um, may or may not have involved him like hiding in a toilet in a train not to pay the train fare so I can't really name his name he knows who he is David Myler's back there David sorry to have lost you um, yeah we were speaking no. about playing for a Clap or pepper, aren't we? Yeah, um, and I think it was Johnny who ended the ended the thing there because I said he took me on. But I just I'm fascinated by both styles of play. Um, obviously, certainly with Pep and his fluent football, and then you have Klopp with the the old finger reference, you know, of the heavy metal music and the intensity, that, you know, that they go at. Um, I'm fascinated by both. Um, I think they're two incredible managers and in what they've achieved. Um, I think. Both clubs will probably honour them with statues when they leave. Um, and I, I, I find it very difficult to pick between either one. I would probably lean towards Jorgen because I've met him several times. Um, and he, he just fascinates me. Um, I've never had the privilege of being in Pep Guardiola's company bar after a game of well done or something. But um, So I would lean towards Klopp. But like, I wouldn't... If it came down to it and they were both sitting in front of me going... Will you sign with? It'd be very difficult to pick. David, look, not to get you to like breach the confidence of your friends, but I know you obviously have people who've played under Klopp. You would know them quite well. And I'm kind of wondering: is there a sense of like the Klopp that we see, and you know, we see him on the sidelines and we see him in the press conferences? Is that the Klopp they see behind closed doors? If you know what I mean, like, is there tales of a of a very different side, or is 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 this sort of powerful personality that we see in the flesh is that a reflection of the reality too I would say yes and no um, but I think every manager must have that other side to them yeah. um, I think that like I know of cases where things haven't been going right and he's had to pull people up and you know, he's had to he's had to have you know tell someone what he's really thought to kind of you know get them back on top of their game but I would say you know, you hear the famous stories of Fergie with the hairdryer treatment, yeah. um, but there's no doubt he he also was good to put an like put an arm around you and understanding. Um, like a lot of, if I was to look at say Steve Bruce, his thing was family, and he said he learned an awful lot from Sir Alex on family. And Jurgen has that as well, but then they have the other side too. Um, you know, you can tell, like you can tell with certain press conferences, certainly when he was speaking after the FA Cup final and the lead up the the Southampton game when he was obviously moaning there's going to be times when he's going to be moaning at players there's yeah. no doubt in that um, and I've heard different scenarios where he's had a pop of players um, and he doesn't hold back from anyone if anyone if anyone steps out of line they will get it but he's just found that way to man manage players because what he's done like is, is quite remarkable in terms of keeping you know 24, 25 players all happy um, and that, that they've wanted to be a part of this that he's been able to make them see the bigger picture that it's not all about individuals did, did you have any manager who like um... just some breaking news uh, sorry to Kylian Mbappe has decided yeah. to yeah. stay at Paris Saint-Germain instead of joining Real Madrid 
I thought phoning the... of Florentino Perez to uh, tell him of his decision. I thought yeah. you were going to say that Native Trail won the Guineas, JD. Did he? He did, yeah. Oh, Workman like two to five. Can't do everything at once. Oh. Um, well, we'll see about that. But um, Priorities, Johnny. Priorities. Did you have a manager who... Um, did you have any manager who like tried to be a good man manager but wasn't? Does that make sense? You don't necessarily need to need to name it, but it can be quite contrived as well if they're kind of like feigning interest in your life or your general well being. Well, I've I've if you've read my book, Johnny, you'd know that I I kind of spoke about Paul Clement. Paul Clement was a great example. I haven't read your um, book yet. I, I do apologize. Yeah. A lot of books. Don't really worry. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll send you one in. Send you my um, <laughs> <laughs> But moving on, Paul Clement was a great example. Um, I don't know if he, Darren Bent was on recently talking about him um, in England. And basically, Paul was an unbelievable coach, uh, probably one of the best coaches I've ever worked with in terms of his setup, his training, the way we went through training, how training flowed in terms of the practices we would do within that session. Everything was geared towards a game, but he can't, he, he just couldn't man manage. Um, like I, before I'd say what Reading, I sat down with him and had a chat with him and he said, look, We've got a we've got a few bad eggs in the change room, and I need to pull this changing room round. And I think you could be one of the ones that come and come in and sign and play and help me. So we had played in a game. I don't know exactly what game it is. Wouldn't be hard to find because I only played five times for Reading. Um, I, but we were winning in a game, and we ended up losing the game, and um, we ended up losing the last twenty minutes or something like that, twenty five minutes. And I came into the change room after, and there was boys all sitting on their phones texting. And um, one lab was. Oh, even a nice time but I caught him snapchatting himself like taking a photo of himself and I lost it I just lost my head I basically to be honest I wanted I wanted a, an argument I wanted almost a tear up um, because it was just like like what are you doing like we've just lost the game that we shouldn't have lost do you know what I mean if you have any ambition of getting this club back to the Premier League or getting promoted and at the time there was a couple of other Irish lads there McShane, O'Shea, they were kind of like looking at me, kind of going, not everyone's the same, like, let it go. We understand where you're coming from or whatever. Then Paul came in and was kind of like, hey, everybody calm down, let's not show at one another. And I said, well, they're taking the piss, to be honest. Like, you've, we've just lost the game and they're taking pictures. And then your man tried to deny he took the photo, which got me even more annoyed. Um, and it was just kind of like that. And there was, there was certain times with, you know, certain conversations where... Yeah. Look, I, I'll have to take him that he was trying to do the best for Reading and himself at that time, but he, his man management wasn't particularly great as opposed to other man, or other managers I'd worked with who understood you. Who understood you? Um, Steve Bruce, Martin O'Neill. Um, that's probably why I played so long for both. Um, like, certainly with Bruce, you know, taking me to Hull, um, obviously, giving me an opportunity at Sunderland, and then with Martin, like I think in in the in the time Martin was um, manager of Ireland, I don't think Martin ever. If I wasn't injured, I don't think Martin ever left me out of a squad, um, because he liked my presence round there. Um, obviously, you're helping other lads round the place, and oh, I was one of those ones that he could you know turn to um, with different things. Um, and Martin understood me and I understood Martin. I had a great relationship with him. I think that inevitably was later on. I know Seamus was captain, but why he made me captain in, when Seamus wasn't there because I was someone he trusted and someone he could turn to. 
Yeah, relationship's so crucial. It is Sunderland one Wickham nil, and in the Scottish Cup final, it is Rangers nil, Hearts nil. Got to take a break here on Football Saturday. Back after this with David Myler, Dan McDonnell, and Johnny Warden. So much the top four relegation, loads of other things to talk about in the football world. We'll do it shortly. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Oh, I just can't that picture in Stephen Gerrard walking out of the Etihad, you know, wearing that Liverpool jersey underneath the suit, a bit like Superman, Clark Kent. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. It's the title decider. Don't miss Liverpool versus Wolves on Super Sunday live only on Sky Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off the Ball. Listen on News Talk. Also, watch us if you can on the digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. To be delighted to be joined by the former Republic of Ireland international David Myler, football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. It is Sunderland 1 Wick nil in that League One playoff final. It is Rangers against Hearts in the Scottish Cup final at the moment. That match is goalless 37 minutes in. Also let you know it is Sligo Rovers uh, 1 Cork City nil in the Women's National League and Shelburne 2 DLR Waves nil 5-3-106. Lads, what do you think of Lampard's praise of Coleman in the dressing room after Everton beat Palace? Very high praise of Coleman, the man, says Connor. I didn't see this, guys. Did you see this? Yeah, so there was, I I think, I don't know, was it Everton put it out themselves? They must have because it was recorded in their dressing room but there was like some social content of uh, they're obviously having a bit of a moment in the dressing room after they stayed up and Lampard made a big point of you know picking up Seamus Coleman and saying this guy is like you know he's a, one of the best people and best professionals I've worked with or, or words, words to that effect you know and obviously I mean David would know Seamus Coleman very well um, managers just seem to love him don't they as well David this is the thing like all the Ireland managers like yet Stephen Kenny speaking about Coleman love him you know Martin O'Neill Roy Keane yes even Roy Keane yeah, would consistently reference Coleman um, they all sort of seem to trust him and value his character I mean I, I know you're, you're very good friends but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you know why that is and like he's had a tough season this year and yet he's never really been there was never a doubt that he was going to be involved in the running for Everton it's just like I know the the clip you're talking about um, just shows me that Frank's a good lad um, because everyone everyone who's ever met Seamus knows that um, it's just the type of person he is um, certainly from his upbringing with his family um, like if if you're ever at Ireland games his mother father brother are always there his brothers I should say um, are always there um, he's an incredible person incredible man um, he's just he's one of them you want in the trenches with you. Do you know what I mean? He's going to roll his sleeves up. You can tell from even the you know the game against Liverpool, um, the games against Chelsea United, the passion and the hunger he plays for. Like I hadn't spoken to him in a couple of weeks. I'd messaged him a few times, obviously after games where they had positive results, and it was only after they stayed up he messaged me back mm-hmm. um said it's been a tough time. But that like he's glued into like getting everything. He was glued into getting everything out of that situation, and um, that was his you know sole focus. He. They would look at him, and even though he's from Donegal, as one of their own. I know he's been there for, God, what is it, 13, probably mm. 12, 13 years. He's been there so long, but he just embodies everything Everton is about. Um, and I could I could sit here all day talking about him, the type of person he is. Um, like you see snippets even from the time when Stephen first took over as Ireland manager, when all the young lads come in. Seamus is one of the first over to greet all of them. He chats them. He wants to get to know them. He wants to make them feel comfortable. And that might slip under the radar with a lot of people, but when the captain, um, certainly of that stature, 
um, is coming over to you to try and make you feel welcome. It, it, it just shows you what type of, what, you know, type of fella he is. Um, he's an incredible, you know, person, captain, player, um, everything. I think he, we should remember as well, Don, just what, like he's not at his peak now. What a footballer he was, like from coming from a League of Ireland position where, you know, he was totally unheralded when he went over there and he became one of the most dynamic, like, right backs in the Premier League. He was a serious, serious footballer at his best yeah. and made the most of his career. Yeah, and I think, you know, what David says there, I mean, I know... Uh, Seamus travelled to the Ireland summer camp last year the one in Spain before the games with Hungary and was it Andorra and I think they suggested he might have been able to play I don't think there was ever any chance he was going to play but I think he was going there in his role as captain and I think that was really appreciated because that was a big time for Kenny as well you know that was a, it was that a pivotal was a, time yeah it was yeah. and I think that sort of show of support was there and it would be probably understandable someone after a long season who, who chose to get a little bit of holiday time in you know and, and they could have done that and he didn't but I, it, it's interesting you say David it's a tough time because I'm sure he'll be up now for the Ireland games in a couple of weeks I'll be interested to hear like his reflections on the season because I imagine it has been very challenging for him to have at times unfortunately like you know have made mistakes or you know received the type of criticism that he's never faced really in his career you know I know he had I'm sure he's had little blips along the way and I know he's a strong character and he's very well regarded but he's only human and I'd imagine it must have hurt him a bit in some way, you know, and I'd be interested to sort of hear his, his reflection. I know you said you've only been talking to him maybe after good results and you haven't necessarily been hearing back, but even as his friend, you must, you must have watched him once or twice this season and just felt for him a bit. Yeah, um, I can't, there was one game um, they played, um, I think it might have been, I'm not sure now, but they got cleaned out and he struggled a bit down the right-hand side and the one thing with all this criticism that comes his way is, which is something I admire about him, is he's the first to look in the mirror though and he can accept that it wasn't good enough for him, him or like what has been wrong. Um, and that's that's a huge asset to have in, you know, in a, in a football player that you, you don't need other people pointing out your mistakes to you. You can accept it yourself that that wasn't good enough or I'm not doing something right. And there's been, there's been times when I've even looked at Seamus and you know deep down he's not, he hasn't been 100% fit and he's played in games. But that's the type of, ma- like the type of character he is that he wants to play because he wants to help, even though he's not 100%. And you, I think anyone's been able to see that in certain games. But even you can imagine when he meets up with Ireland, like the type of person Seamus is, he won't really want to talk about it because he'll say like, it hasn't been good enough. It's done now. Uh. We have an important preseason coming up. But my whole focus now is on Ireland. Totally, yeah. And that's the way that's the way he'll approach those conversations. Is you might get a, the odd short answer out of him that it's not been good enough. Um, they don't want to be in that situation again. But he's there now, and your attention turns to these nation league games. And you know, it's I can't remember the last time Ireland played four games in the summer. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That it's going to be it's going to be a long a long trip. You're probably going to be away from your families for 16, 17 days. Mm. I know Dan, be... Dan had a colourful um, report about, uh, you know, watching a game last night where a former Republic of Ireland great was a manager. And I think Coleman has, like, he, he may not have said it in a kind of a, you know, it was an interview that it was probably brought up, but he said he won't, might one day end up managing in the League of Ireland um, rather than playing in the League of Ireland, I think was his quote. What sort of manager might he make? Cool. Um... Uh, <sighs> Wow, you've caught me on the spot there, Johnny. Um, 
like I know he's 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 coaching now um, small bits and pieces with the Everton U teams. He's kind of helping out, trying to learn his trade. Sorry, just, you don't have to be a manager either. You can actually be a coach. Like you're not. There are different jobs you can have. Like so, whatever it is, he might end up doing. I think. I think. I think. Which um, you should probably look at him that he be he be one that would have high demands on every day being the best you could be, um, and maximizing your potential ability. That he wouldn't accept, you know, sloppy standards or anything like that. He's very particular on time, um, the way you conduct yourself, the way you speak to people. All those things, I think, would factor into his coaching or his managerial thing that his players will be a representation of himself. Um, I don't think he would allow for egos, that kind of thing. Um, obviously, we try and nullify them as best he could because nearly every footballer has some sort of an ego. But they would definitely be a passionate, well-organized team that would fight for the cause. Um, I imagine he'll want them playing silky football. Yeah, he just comes across as a leader, whether it's manager or coach. He just comes across naturally as a leader, whether it's tough times. And he had an awful leg break, didn't he, as well, I remember, a few years ago. Also a very intelligent player, JD. Like, he, he was, you can just see he understands the game quite well. Um, he's, he seemed, to me, he looks like he's plenty of attributes to make it in some shape or form post-career. So Frank Lampard, does he deserve a bit of credit? I mean... <laughs> 53106 Brian was in touch well said by Lampard who's learned more about managing the last six weeks than he's ever thought he knew before wasn't there a line on Twitter that like he left Derby in the same position when he joined he left Chelsea in the same position when he joined and Everton are right now they were 16th when he took over and they finished 16th yeah Yeah. so there is like but again I don't know I think the jury is out I think to be fair I I don't think you can say oh listen he's on the way to being a top manager Uh, but I also I think sometimes it can be exaggerated criticism the other way too I mean they have wobbled a bit I mean the Brentford game you know there was a 10 men scenario and they didn't manage the game at all and I think a manager has to take some you know criticism for that but they they, you know, they obviously did something the other night you know to retrieve a situation where you did see I mean I was at the UCD Shamrock Rovers game but you saw this, the score coming through early that Everton were down and then down again and you're thinking is this going to unravel this is going to be one of these yeah. nights so I think you know all the staff there and, and I presume senior players and everyone they, they address that situation but I just, I just don't think you can see you can you can come down either way on the Lampard thing at this stage Well it's easy at the moment all he needs to do is keep him safe and he has but next season will be a lot more difficult because his expectations now renewed expectations What it all means though David is that Leeds are in trouble now Yeah and they've been in trouble for a while um, It's just yeah. like you talk about Lampard obviously leaving like keeping everything more or less in the same position like Leeds have gotten worse since Bielsa has gone and Jesse Marsh has come in. Um, he's trying to, you know, tighten it up. But I think it's something like seventy-five to seventy-six uh, goals they've conceded, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, to think that they're shipping like two goals a game, it's just unheard of. Um, and if you, you know, I know they've missed key players for big chunks. Obviously, Dallas is now out, but like Cooper was gone, Phillips is gone, Bamford was gone. They just don't look like scoring enough goals um, and you you would fear for them because if they do go back down to the championship, you know, your your Bamford's, uh, Rafinha's, they've done really well in the Premier League um, and they'll feel that they can, you know, get big moves. Uh, Calvin Phillips as well, yeah. Yeah, Calvin Phillips is another one. Like even, I'm sure, JD, there's a, lo- there's a whole host of them. Like even Junior Furpo, the left back, yeah, like he, he came from Barcelona, he'll want to move. Melier, the goalkeeper, he'll want out. And then that, and then that's the problem. How can you keep hold of these players? To give yourself the best chance coming straight back up. Now that's end up, you know, being the manager. 
You do kind of want to see contract. Nathan Collins, like, you want to see him succeed in what he's done as well, don't you, despite the lead situation, because he's been so immense. Hmm. It's, it's a high stakes, it's a high stakes relegation fight because mm. Burnley, with their ownership situation and everything there, I think they're really going to struggle if they go down too, you know. So it really is one of these ones where whatever club goes down tomorrow, it's going to have, like, stark implications for them I think I mean, I actually wonder in some ways are Leeds still even though they might lose key players is their model there still better suited to bounce back but I think JD so much just tomorrow as well it revolves around Newcastle too like Newcastle are going to Burnley are Newcastle even up for it but it feels like they had their big night yeah, on, on Monday yeah, yeah. You know, that's and, it now and they're on holidays and, but Eddie Howe is in the previous with Burnley a yeah, happy time yeah, there yeah. but you, like Newcastle are getting good now and you know we, we always have a sort of you know the Newcastle thing is always contentious in its own way but as a football team they are getting better um, you know you got Trippier going back to Burnley as well and there's yeah. all sorts of emotions Chris that Wood. play with that yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's fit but. yeah um, I, uh, there, there's a lot I mean Brentford obviously have, you know, have had a great season too um, but they are playing at home aren't they so the, I just there's all these little other factors that some teams mentally check out um, and, and you, you wonder like will both of them win tomorrow in some weird scenario yeah is there any chance the Spurs are going to mess this up and be a Spurs again David they're not going to mess it up surely but you know what JD I know you're a Spurs fan but it was after Arsenal obviously lost everyone kind of went oh that's so such an Arsenal thing to do right but it's such a Spurs thing to do to be now in the driving seat to then slip up again like <laughs> do you know what I mean it's like yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those you're kind of looking at it kind of going could they like you? I'd expect Spurs to win. Um, certainly with the players, they have the form, human sons in, um, everything. But you just don't know, do you? Like even Burnley leads, there could be a you know a last minute goal that could end up you know getting you a point, or the other team has lost. You just don't know. Um, but I, if I was to hang my hat on this. I would expect Spurs to finish in the top four. Yeah. They only need to draw, don't they? This they is a, draw, that was yeah. the thing about Arsenal. Even if Arsenal got an equaliser the other night. Yeah. That that maybe just tips the balance, doesn't it? It you does. Know? Yeah, it should be enough. It should be enough. There's even talk about lasagna again yesterday. Um, Gary Lineker was putting <laughs> yeah. that out on Twitter, but <laughs> I think I think they should be okay. Arsenal. Then they did no answers. Mikel Arteta. He just seemed flummoxed after the Newcastle game. Maybe just a bit too young and a bit too um, lacking in character, and maybe lacking a striker as well, David. Yeah, like the Eddie and Kelly has done well in the you know what in the last six to eight weeks. Certainly scored quite a few goals. But even so, there's been so much talk of him. You know, the contracts they've offered him, he doesn't want. He wants out. And then he's starting him. And then the whole thing with Lacazette, him going. Um, it's just, it just seems that it's kind of just filtered off for them. It's just fizzled out. Um, they don't have those. You know, you look at kind of your granite jackers. That's the kind of player who should be leading the team. Um, but then obviously his post-match interview kind of shows that there's there's problems there um, so that certainly shows that Arteta has done well to get them where they are but you could just tell it's it's a young inexperienced squad to kind of see that out and you know their performance against Newcastle it's just dreadful it was just awful and it was something that you wouldn't have expected of them you know certainly in the situation they are fighting for top four Okay, 53106, got to take a break for the news. David Myler, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday. It is Sunderland 1, Wickham nil at half-time in the League One playoff final. It is goalless between Rangers and Hearts in the Scottish Cup final at the break. We're back on Off the Ball after the news with Football Saturday until 5. Don't go away. 
And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. It is the title decider. Don't miss Man City versus Aston Villa on Super Sunday, live only on Sky Sports. You can text us 53106. Tweet us at Off the Ball. We're streaming the conversation. Listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Delighted to be joined by David Myler, the former Republic of Ireland international, Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent, and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. Just to give you some scores. Uh, it is Rangers nil, Hearts nil in the Scottish Cup final. Uh, Sunderland won, Wickham nil at halftime in the League One playoff final. Women's National League results: Shelburne, the champions, four deal or waves nil, and Sligo Rovers two, Cork City nil. In the Talton Cup preliminary round, it is Wicklow eight points, Waterford six at the moment, and Ockram. Earlier on in the John McDonough Cup, Carlow beat Offaly twenty-two points to seventeen. Down were two twenty-eight to two nineteen winners over Meath, and Antrim and Kerry will meet in the final on June the fourth. They met today. Kerry won by 29 points to 221, but through the permutations, they will meet again in the final on June the 4th, which is a Saturday in a, in a few weeks' time. So just let you know as well um, about the football pod um, that is uh, coming up as well. We'll get to the winner of our competition, the Mystery Voice competition, in uh, just a moment, but also just let you know that uh, the first roadshow in three years is nearly here. The football pod have just added a Mayo legend to their lineup for Castle Bar on June the 2nd. Joining Paddy Andrews and James Lunna, who at the Royal Theatre, a man, uh, they had several battles with on big days at Croke Park, but were sworn to secrecy for now. So stay tuned over the coming days when all will be revealed. A brilliant night of football chat, plenty of focus on Mayo, the football pod, Paddy, James, Tommy Rooney and Castle Bar, Thursday, June the 2nd. Tickets are 20 euro plus booking fees. Go to otbsports.com forward slash events for more. But now, a different type of football until 5 David Myler, I believe you might have been about a 13-year-old when Saipan happened. Today, 20 years ago, is when Roy Keane had the row with the, the goalkeepers and then it all kicked off and it all ended up very sadly for Roy to uh, to go home. Um, what was it like in Cork back then? Was it very tense and very much on the side of Roy? Um, do you know what, JD? I was 12 at the time. Right, sorry. Um, in eight days' time, I would have been 13. But, um, you know, I don't remember a whole lot. Obviously, was everywhere there was obviously the the drama of the irish captain leaving the camp um everybody in cork was more or less with roy um as you could imagine being from cork i could tell you that much but it was just a surprise to think that you know we had battled so hard certainly with you know the the games against the netherlands and whatever and getting the results and you know obviously getting there that it had gotten to that point where you know they come they come to blows and you know roy leaving um it's 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 quite hard to believe it's 20 years ago um i just wonder i just wonder do do either party look back on it and think only we'd handle it a bit differently do you think people are sick of it now well i can't really say that as we're starting into like a week-long series on it and we're talking about it today um i i think you will see i mean you would have posted something out and you will get replies like that and there is no doubt that that is the thing and like uh, across the last week for sort of stuff we're doing in the end in the coming week I spent a good chunk of the last week reading the newspaper archives of the time and uh, I mean it is it is incredible like as I start making a point in the piece do you know on the, the census recently we all had this time capsule thing that you could have filled out <laughs> I think if you if that time capsule had existed in 2002 you would have got some very interesting entries you know because yeah, um, a lot of the newspapers at the time and David alludes to it there they would have sort of you know 
there would have been vox pop pieces of you know going to you know they went into such and such a pub in Dublin and you know John said this and Johnny said that or whatever and uh, you know generally you'd go to Cork but there was the odd one in Cork there was like um, there was a apparently there was a billboard of Roy Keane in Cork um, to do with some ad he was doing 7 Up or one of the companies and someone had like cut, got up and cut out his eyes and like right. uh, and uh, you know it was there was clearly a, a small anti-Keen wing that did exist in Cork but they were probably shunned down there like by everybody else you know because most of the Vox Pops were people in Cork saying this is a this is a disgrace but look like it's it's a it's it is like it's it's it is a part of Irish history. Like you know the fact that it was front page news for nine ten days. We all sort of lost our minds a bit. Like sport has plays such a massive role in all of our lives. But obviously you try and keep it in some sense of perspective. Like sport is a great distraction sometimes from a lot of things that's gone in everyone's lives. Whereas this just went to another level where it became this like front page story that became like bizarre where like everyone felt you know Bertie you know there's one day where the Taoiseach is like I'm not getting involved and then I presume in the next 24 hours he got loads of grief from people and by the next day he's like I'm making an offer to go out there and sort this you know so we can you know we completely lost our way but it's international um, news though as well it, no no it mattered United no, I, captain like John like I'm not saying it didn't matter you know obviously it mattered like because what like, you can't control what stirs the emotions and feelings of people this is this is what did like you know you can you can question human behaviour and say this is a bit mad but it, it stopped the nation for a reason you know the, the 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 viewing figures of the interview with Tommy Gorman were you know stratospherically high for a reason you know because there was a massive interest and that was there I understand the whole thing of do you want to go over old ground again I do understand that I think a lot of the protagonists involved in it are at that stage where the there's nothing new for them to say at this stage like there isn't really a new angle that they can offer us on it um, but there is more that pause for reflection to sometimes think God I mean that is that is 20 years ago and like for all that you might put out something and some people will say oh why are you talking about this you'll also get some people saying well I haven't changed my view McCarthy is still a disgrace you know yeah. some people carry that anger with oh, them yeah. still yeah. and you could even even when Mick came back like does that undercurrent there's always like it, it was a turning point probably in to some degree in the history of, of Irish football in a way because it added a sort of a fractious layer to debate around the team that I think has always lingered beneath since in a, in a different way you know um, it was probably like as a major tournament experience it was like it wasn't quite the, this innocent adventure where everyone was on board it was a little bit more fraught and um, it probably had a, you know the, the sort of the, the, the little bit of aggro that spun out of that it would sort of pop up again like you know when, when Keane was critical of the players after the Henri handball for example and then a lot of people would have got on board with Keane he's right you know the standards are this and that and that was a Saipan hangover oh massively yeah, massively that's what it yeah. was um, I think Johnny what hasn't helped with Saipan is that we haven't been able to generate new memories from a World Cup because we haven't qualified for one since that's it yeah um, you know it was in, in fairness it was it was a mad mad time and like I, I think um made this point for like whatever your interpretation of history is it's wrong and whatever you interpret whatever you interpret of Saipan whether you, the rights or wrongs you don't know the, you will never know the ins and outs of it I think uh, I think Roy was probably in a troubled place at the time in terms of his general physical 
ability for that World Cup and other matters. I, I think he wasn't quite right. And I think he probably will regret what he did and does regret it to, in, to some extent. But I'm not sure in terms of if, if he played in that tournament, I'm not sure would we have been at his best just in terms of looking back on the injuries he had and um, some of the things he allegedly said, like I, I don't think were fair on Mick McCarthy. Um, and there is that, obviously, that epic photo um, after the, the Dutch game, which I do wonder was that exactly, did that photo like, was it exactly as it was at the time, or was Roy Keane just like wrecked going off the pitch after another big performance? Um, but it was mad, like we were. We're totally wrapped up in it at the time, and I don't think we'll ever get anything like that again. Um, I, th I think, in terms of Roy Keane, what he was as a footballer at that time was was amazing, and it's it's kind of um, just as you get older now, the kids of today who are playing, they don't even remember him as a footballer. Thankfully, we do because he was an amazing footballer. Also, the smartphone age—you'd wonder if it, things have been a lot easier because there's so much confusion around then. Well, you had that interview. Oh, the time yeah. difference. I mean, I, I, yeah. you, you were working radio at the time, weren't you? So yeah, yeah. Um, um, I don't know if we want to play it. Just want to play the the the, <laughs> the day uh, the day he he was sent home. This is this is me sounding like a ten year old. Time now for the Bulmer Sports headlines with John Duggan. The FAI are supporting Mick McCarthy's decision to send Roy Keane home from Japan. Steve Staunton has now been appointed captain of the side. And in golf, Colin Montgomery leads the Volvo PGA Championship at Wentworth by three shots. More sport in full just after six. I, I don't think it changed at all. <laughs> you managed to get a bit of golf into that. So, well, you that's know, it. You know, I'm delighted we got the golf. And it's actually there. It's probably it a bit of virtual you, insanity you, there. You, yeah. you need to get the golf in as well as the yeah. uh, apart, you know. But it, uh, yeah. what I found was sorry, Johnny, to cut across you dead, like looking through the archives, I think the big thing about it was, uh, and I, I do remember this because I was in Dublin that summer. Um, it was the first summer I actually sort of lived in Dublin. And you'd be uh, you'd, you'd break not, into bagatelle here now, yeah. Nip out, not nip out to get the Herald at sort of lunchtime, and that the Herald at the time would have had a late edition that would have been published then, and that was crucial with the time difference. So you'd have your morning newspapers that were obviously coming out, say at seven in the morning, but would have gone to print at say you know one a.m. or midnight or whatever. So that's like nine in the morning in Saipan, say, or I'm not sure around that time. But so much was happening in that little window. But when the Herald came out, there was always something new, you know, and that's when a lot of the stuff was hitting the fan, you know what I yeah, mean? And everything yeah. was, was coming to light that they would have slept through in Saipan, you know, certain things at home, like even the Roy Keane interview, say, but they would have woke to it the following day. And the, the, it, it was, you know, the, 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 the sort of domino effect of the drama that it was the early part in the morning here where all of a sudden you're, you were, and it's true, now, like, it would be tweeted. You know what I mean, like WhatsApp groups would yeah. be like players, even on the two days before when he had the row, which was today, twenty years ago, and then he said he wanted to go home, and then he was persuaded to stay, or he decided to stay, which is before then he did the interviews uh, with the Irish Times and RT Television, and that that was the one that looked really bad, and then the Sun Independent obviously didn't come out for a few days, and then there was the whole meeting, but like, you know, would that would that meeting have been videoed? Well, I know what you're saying. Like, everything would have been of its time. I think, I mean, there's no doubt there was these communication errors that, that were an issue. Like, even that the, the player statement was erroneously released before Mick McCarthy's uh, statement at the end of it. And that wouldn't happen now, you know. And there was definitely a whole sense of there would have been an around-the-clock element that might have made things easier. People would have, you know, like like, like with COVID, everyone had just got, got on Zoom and sorted it out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there would have been a Microsoft Teams meeting and, and, and that would have, like, <laughs> Get in, yeah. That would have got on top of things earlier, but then there also would have been like 
like uh, you know video footage of the pitch you know so people could see how bad this pitch actually was you know what I mean there was everything was sort of uh, suspended in time like I, I I was slightly envious now I have to say in some ways of the lads who were covering it who were over well, Roy there. Curtis was on the Saturday panel earlier on and he said like like you got to remember Saipan was like going to the Canaries from Ireland so they get to Japan they've got to go down to the Canaries to this island for or and or for the week uh, with no facilities really and then back to Japan Mm. So it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Well, like it was two weeks of preparation. One week was meant to be or and or, and then it was one week of high class preparations in Japan before the Cameroon game. The best thing probably would have happened was for Keane not to go until he went to Japan. Yeah, yeah. It just goes to show. I mean, like, wasn't it England with Capello in 2010 in South Africa? You hear that they where they stayed wasn't great. The players were were miserable. Like. So many other nations have issues with these tournaments when... Germany you, in Russia. Yeah, it's, so much is about, you know, how long do you spend together? You have to get that Trap. that balance. Right, well, you, like you'd hear about, say, 2012, that it was, a, it was by the time they got to it, they were wrecked. And I think, to be fair, I think O'Neill and Keane, you, I think they... I think they might have got that balance better in 2016 say and there's there's so many elements that, that come with preparation and this was just Ireland's version of it it was just an extreme version because you had the world's not the most famous footballer probably would have been Beckham at that stage but certainly the most maybe influential one in some ways yeah. um, maybe the most combustible as well too but um, I, I always find that people will ask you now and maybe our textures or people ever, were you Keen or were you McCarthy I always think that there was like a silent middle that, that you never really heard a voice I just remember being exasperated I wasn't sure who was right or wrong maybe I was a little bit more sympathetic to Keen at that stage and I wouldn't be as much now but the main thing was all whatever I read that hoping he would come back you know and I think there was a lot of people who existed who were just can we just just get him back and get over this for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but obviously it wasn't the, the, to be. The both of you were not. And like, good. I mean, this is the thing about it, uh, JD. Like, if you think about it, what Johnny, me and Johnny were the same age, we're like 19 that summer. Um, and you probably think, well, Ireland will get to another World Cup because they've been well, to three it. of the previous four. I mean, Ireland, we're going to be, what, 43 in 2026, not even sure to qualify. That's the sadness of it all. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. that is our last World Cup story. Yeah. And mm. it might be for a while. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that uh, the, the way I see it now is that both of them are at fault, you know. Um, Keane should just let it go, um, should have treated it, and maybe it wasn't communicated to him that this was meant to be just a, a chilled week before we got to the, the serious business, and then McCarthy shouldn't have, uh, you know, confronted him in front of the players, like red rag to a bull. Yeah. Um, like, David, like you'd wonder if they both are regretted now, you know, or, or if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's, oh, we just seem to have lost David there. They're probably better off, probably not to get involved I, in this conversation, I, to be honest. I do think, though, I'm not, I do wonder about about Keane's state of mind when he was over there like was I mean I don't I don't know if Mick McCarthy could have done an awful lot differently um, and bear in mind I mean their relationship was strained but like I don't know I mean was Roy Keane acting in a rational manner at that uh, time I don't know I think, I think we're in danger of like pouring over those details like, you know in that sort of sense of I know there's various pieces being written about this mm. and there'd be various theories that would exist around it um, yeah, we should remember as well at the start of that campaign like he was disgusted that we celebrated effectively a two-all draw after blowing a two-all lead in, in the Netherlands I think that's important to remember that that's what Roy Keane was about well, like. yeah, well, Roy Keane just because we were Ireland he didn't accept and we did an awfully tough group he didn't accept the fact that we'd celebrate a two-all draw after being 2 nil up I like that Mm. Yeah, and uh, like I think maybe Roy Keane's mind at the time, we don't know what it was in his mind at the time, was like, I'm here to work, I'm here to hit the ground running, and this is not what not what this mm. should be about. And mm. like, I think that's where you had the, like it was almost like same old Ireland. 
David, if you're back there, um, um, do you think yeah. they, do you think they both regret it now? Um, the one question I always had, JD, that I would love to ask Roy was, if he hadn't played in the 94 World Cup, would he made his peace and played? Hmm. Um, yeah. That was one thing I always wondered. If he hadn't played in that World Cup, because obviously he experienced the World Cup and he had those highs, um, if he hadn't, would he have left? <sighs> they're two, they're two strong-minded men that you know believe they were both right. Um, I don't think he would ever come to a conclusion that either would look back and kind of say, like you know, like anything you see with Roy, Roy won't change his mind. Like he believed he was right. He believed that the standards should have been higher. Um, obviously, the big thing about the equipment or whatever. Um, then obviously there was that little personal thing with Mick about. You know, Roy feigned an injury, um, which Roy obviously wouldn't like, because um, that goes against your characters kind of a, as a player and a person, which is everything he would be against. Um, like you've got a man who was obviously captain of Manchester United, who were very successful, were winning league titles year in year out. Um, he wanted the same at Ireland. I imagine it drove him mad if you looked at the players he played with. Certainly, they had a whole host of England players who were obviously going to every, every major tournament he was and he wanted that for Ireland um, like a lot of people won't realise he after what he did in Saipan it basically it basically changed a lot of the following Ireland teams that you know came after him certainly in my time that you know standards were improved pitches were improved equipment was improved everything went up tenfold because of what Roy did um, and he was Inevitably, he was the martyr. He was the one who, you know, demanded better um, in those small details and the rest was benefited in the long run from him doing that. Uh, Did you ever talk about it when you played with him and Martin at, at the Ireland uh, setup there, David? No, um, JD. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Tell you know, us a story, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a topic of conversation. It's probably, like, my, probably, it's, not, probably not my best question of the afternoon, to be honest. No, but to be fair, I, I get that because... You did. You, I would have been fascinated to pick his brain on it, but it's like, how do you approach that conversation? Because obviously, when you're away in camp, like, how often are you going to be able to sit down with him one on one? Where you know that, like, we obviously had a snacks room on our floor, but players were in and out of there, and he's never going to go into the great inner detail of what went on or what he might like to change or what he would never change or whatever, just in case someone walked in and he he wouldn't want it to turn into something. Like a big debate on what they would have done or whatever, um, but it's certainly I, I, there's so many questions. I just I, the, the one, the main one I would love to ask him was if you hadn't played in '94, could it could it have changed your mind, or was oh, could it could that have been a factor in changing your mind to say, do you know what, I want to play in the World Cup and captain my country. Like, yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. I, I think like you still had, you still had Shay and Robbie there, I suppose as well, didn't you? Around that time in in twenty sixteen, because I remember mm -hmm. before like I, I often wondered with them because like he he would have been critical, I think, at times of of given even, and there was always that little bit of a edge between Keane and some of his former teammates right. you know, but then you'd see them get on fine you know but you kind of wonder it's obviously everyone has people in their lives there's conversations you don't go there with them and I yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was one of them but like before 2016 it was the obvious question you'd ask like you know what are the facilities like this time Roy you know what are the yeah. you know what's the what's the training pitches like and he'd sort of make some quip about it but well, it was, I mean, a, it was a very know. lonely place for him to be I remember like the, 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 the TV footage of him leaving the camp mm. like it was very lonely and like he, you know as, as 
as tough as he, he was, you know, it must have been d- difficult on a human level, really difficult on a human level. Like your family are coming over to watch you in Japan and you've taken a stand and you've had a row with the manager and you've said things you shouldn't have said and he sent you home and there, that's where you are. Uh, any listeners out there with memories of, of the time, uh, if you want to get in touch on 53106 or has your position changed or do you think, you know, I think there's a degree of shame about, about us as, as Irish at times that we, 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 you know, we contrive to mess this up and maybe it was everybody's fault and like that we don't even want to talk about it because, uh, you know, it was it was such a, a negative thing at the time. Uh, 53106, I was in Australia for the World Cup and before Keane left in Melbourne, broadsheet profile five players expected to shape the World Cup. I can't remember two, but the other three were Ronaldo, Zidane and Keane, says Owen. And I was backpacking in Cairns, Australia at the time. It says another texture. It was all anybody was talking about, the English, Scottish lads, Dutch and the Germans. We were ringing home for news. Madness, huge news it was. It was it was incredible news. It, it, it was just... Uh, an incredible time um, and a manic time for, for, for the country. I think it, um, you know, I, I've been to, I've been to France, like where, you know, the, they've, they're playing like a, Euro, a European semi-final or a World Cup semi-final. I think it was the World Cup semi-final before um, Matarazzi and Zidane and uh, the French, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I think they have a different attitude to sport. Like they, they, you know, they were watching the game, but they were sort of watching the game in the in the TVs outside. They were only half watching it, and then when they won, they were all like "Sur la rue, sur la rue." Everyone out in the street, even though I was like, "You were barely even watching the game." Like we are absolutely, we are, we are. You don't not watch the game in Marseille, Johnny, or places like. Yeah, there the, is that, and it was it was a fairly it was the places a nice where you dine in France is more the the. the well, I wasn't really dine there, but we are nuts about sport in this country. Like we are, I, I'm not sure. Like that was just it, it was it was a, it was a sporting event. Sport is a great triviality, and the whole country was absolutely immersed in it. It was completely mad. We're we're a truly sports mad nation. Uh, five three one zero six. And uh, speaking of um, the players who were there uh, twenty years ago, Damien Duff was on the sideline there. Was it last he, wasn't, night? he wasn't on the sideline. This is the point. He's yeah. um, he's they, they've had three wins in a row, shells, and he's been on the he's been banned for all three of them. Um, so Joey O'Brien's been on the sideline, but um, yeah, no, they they beat some Pats last night in in Richmond Park, um, and so I had the sort of a very. Uh, uh, almost a front row view of Damien Duff because Duff camp he, he, he couldn't be on the bench naturally enough um, he did it 10 minutes into the game you realise that there was this figure down behind the bench who had like a, a cap a hood on and uh, a scarf up so you could only just basically see eyes it was like a burka or something but it was a the familiar gait of like Damien Duff there but I think he possibly realised that um, this doesn't I don't know someone obviously got the message from him that he was a little bit close so he went up to the back row of the director's box in Richmond Park which is right next to the press box so uh, yeah he was right he was right in the middle of it and I mean definitely it wasn't like he was sitting up in the stand and sort of taking a shy and retiring view and taking a look back he was fully involved phone was out messages little voice notes or something being sent to someone which you know which can be done so um, but they won and uh, he was into it even a half time he couldn't uh, he couldn't go into the dressing room but there was a, a referee's assessor there there to like monitor the referee or whatever and uh, Duff gave him some feedback at half time as intense on, as Roy Keane I, I, oh, I mean like full on not, not an act put it like that right. you know but his team are um, his team are getting better but um, it is true like you know he's living every moment of this you know and, and it's sort of fascinating to watch someone who you would have read you'd read profiles of Duff in 2002 and it would have been like oh he likes to sleep and he's very you know he had this sort of ah, lovable Duffer sort of thing a different person now mm. I think. well he lit he up the World Cup he was the best player oh, I mean no. 
the, Duff in, in, like, in the Spanish, Spanish game just, just extraordinary like how good Duff was at that time we Duff and Robin so, that's, that's forgotten like, like, we talk about yeah. this with O2 yeah. like you know and, and we have to because that's the story but how good Duff was you know if someone had done that in 90 or 94 his level of performances in that competition like you know you could say his performances then were as good as anything you know yeah. uh, like any previous major tournament performances yeah. by Irish players I think the bar he hit in 02 was I'd say it compared pretty favourably Was there much crossover between you and Duff um, David? No um, he was retiring as I was starting um, so I've only I've only ever met Damien a handful of times I was actually in the summer I was over with the Irish under 17s we were doing um, something in um, no sorry not in the summer I just get confused January because uh, obviously Damien was starting his pre-season so we had a chat there and I wished him all the best and whatever um, but he's a huge character for Irish football certainly in, in terms of what he's done for Ireland and in the Premier League and it's fantastic to see him one be managing in the League of Ireland but then two doing well um, and like Dan says he's he's passionate he's all in um, I don't think Damien's very honest and and you can tell that from the time he did punditry or whatever there's no there's no shit on him is probably the best way yeah. to put it um, and what you'd seen you know at the Pats game is Damien um, he's all in you know what he says is what he believes the the, um, um, the game here is interesting JD because uh, I, I mean I'm not a fan of VAR but I think Sunderland have had two really really strong penalty claims that obviously I'm pretty sure there's no VAR here. No, there yeah, isn't. So they've, they've gone, they've shown replays and it's almost like we live in this world now where we just expect VAR to be in place but I think both were penalties actually. They're 1-0 up um, they've been the better team uh, neither penalty was given and for the referee in both instances it was not an easy decision uh, in the moment but I think VAR would have definitely given one of them if not two of them. Um, so there'll be a lot of controversy if they don't hold out here. They're 1-0 up with 20 to go. Uh, Horgan has I think been taken off. Is there what you, I'm sure there is fair. Is there? I, I, I'm kind of wondering about this because... because no, because the, the, I, 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 I heard something yesterday that they were saying it's in the championship playoff final, but they were saying like you can't have VAR in the championship playoff final, you know, for a team that to go up to the Premier League and you couldn't have it in um, League One playoff. So they've decided to put it in all the playoff finals um, because they, 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 they were then talking about that the players need to be careful or would it be something that the managers would approach because every single thing is going to be monitored from corners, free kicks or whatever because VAR is in is is in use. Well, can okay, we that's interesting. So they that, ha- yeah. Well, they haven't referred to it once then because there was like, I, I, I would have thought there's been two penalty instances like listeners mm. haven't seen it. There was, there was one, I actually thought the first half one I thought that was, was the penalty, was the penalty yeah. and, and, and would be one that you would refer. Um, so yeah, but, maybe it is there then. Yeah, maybe like I'm, I'm a betting man, but JD doesn't. JD doesn't have me getting any winners. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm 99 percent sure that there is VAR in this. Okay. Obviously, somebody will text into the country or otherwise. Mm. But winners, um, no, no, he's probably right the last six months, to be honest. <laughs> JD's still recovering from that two. That's a two-foot tackle, I think. Uh, from yeah, 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 well, yeah. Given, the, given the way the PGA tips are going oh, this week, you're probably Patrick right. But David, we will turn this around. I guarantee we yeah, will Yeah, yeah, JD, I was, I was rich the whole day in Cheltenham. Do you know what I mean? Oh, this chat now, chat now was, a giant. It was the worst year in 15 years. So I will turn, yeah. we will turn this around. We will turn this around responsibly. Thank you, JD. Thank uh, you, JD. Yeah, it's, it's 1-0 <laughs> to Sunderland against Wickham in that League One playoff final. Still goalless between Rangers and Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. Got to take a break. David Myler, Dan McDonald, Johnny Ward, Football Saturday. News talk after this.
And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five o'clock this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Off the Ball Football brought to you by Sky. It's the title decider. Don't miss Liverpool versus Wolves on Super Sunday live only on Sky Sports. You can text us 53106. We have been talking about Saipan and Liam and Donny Carney has said, lads, for the love of God, stop. Just stop. It's over. It was 20 years ago. Liam, the good news is we're not going to talk about it for the rest of the show. Well, I probably, I'm never going to talk about it again. Um, David Myler, uh, Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward with us until five. And David, uh, the Billy Sharp, this this stuff has gone crazy in England. And maybe maybe it's just, once again, smartphones and all that. But an individual assaulted Billy Sharp after the Nottingham Forest-Sheffield United game, got a six-month prison sentence and a 10-year ban from football. And then Patrick Vieira was accosted by another, I would call him a Muppet, uh, and then he reacted. Um, did you ever get in, uh, embroiled in pitch invasions and, and feel like your safety is under threat or whatever? Or is this a new phenomenon? No, JT. Um, I had it. I had it like when I was at Hull. Um, the first year I was promoting, you know, in 2013, that season, um, we played Cardiff on the last day. It was kind of a famous day in the championship where we ended up, you know, drawing with Cardiff and we got promoted automatically. But the fans rushed the pitch. And it is like, as much as I was a home player, you, you, do, you do have that sense of fear in you because, like, Everybody's grabbing hold of you. They want to try and get photos. They're trying to congratulate you. And it just becomes a bit frantic. Um, same when, you know, when we got, you know, to the playoffs um, in 16, you do, you do that have that sense of, you know, worried. And I was, I was a home player. Like, Sunderland 2-0, you know, by the way. Sunderland 2-0. Okay. That's good. That's them done. Um, but like, even, even looking back on, you know, the, the Nottingham Forest scenes, like, it's 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 worrying. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a very very small minority, but it does it does plant the seed in your head that how long before some serious you know something serious does happen? Because you know, God forbid. Like, uh, I was talking to a couple of my friends and we were going on about it. Like, how long before a referee is attacked or something that you know if if an away team beats the home team, the home team rush the ground and they chase the referee. We've seen it certainly in South America and stuff like that where referees have been attacked. Um, it's 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 totally unacceptable. Now, how they go forward, and it's all good and well talking about more security or more police, but how do you stop thousands upon thousands of people running onto pitches? Um, it's 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 just quite remarkable. And like that's let's not be too harsh on Patrick Vieira, as you say, JD. You're dealing with a human reason. reaction. It's human reaction. The like, FA investigating. Yeah, and you and break. these idiots with their phones in as well. It's just like um, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, the pitch invasions I mean I, I remember invading the pitch after Galway won the All-Ireland in uh, 1998 and um, not only did that but like took some of the turf from Crow Park to grow <laughs> in my bedroom for like it's still growing later um, it was growing for many years but I remember my principal Matty Kilroy who was a diehard Caltra GA fan and obviously enjoyed subsequent success when they won the All-Ireland um, rightly chastised me he said what are you doing vandalising Crow Park and uh, yeah I never did it again anyway it's your Berlin Wall <laughs> yeah, like it, it felt like everything that t- I was only 15, I think, but um, yeah, pitch invasions. I mean, it's kind of hard, I suppose, to tell a kid not to do it, but I guess they got to be policed. Yeah, it's just part of I mean, like it is part of that end of season culture around some of the big games, and you know, you hate to have to look to sort of uh sanitize that behavior and those scenes of joy because of say one or two idiots, but I mean. It, some of this becomes copycat as well you know yeah. these instances have happened over the last week 
people are almost waiting for the next one now and the mentality of some people will be to create the next one now so yeah I mean, they're not going to put fences around like you know grounds in England no, again aren't no. they so but I think point deduction is probably the only thing for the clubs maybe yeah stadium I mean that is the thing you hate to do this because it punishes everyone but I mean if you do suddenly have a situation where you're playing a game behind closed doors if your club is like returning to the Premier League or or the equivalent level for you you know the ne- the level up I mean maybe you do have to hand down those extreme punishments second for Sunderland as well JD should have them uh, on their way um, thoroughly deserved yeah and it's goal is between Rangers and Hearts um, in the Scottish Cup final at the moment as well uh, David Myler Jake Daniels came out during the week to Blackpool young lad striker um, a turning point hopefully for football to get with the times yeah look it's what incredible brave young man um, like imagine like I said I, I did an interview last week or during the week on this and I just said can you imagine how he felt when he woke up the morning after doing it have that weight off his shoulders obviously such a young man starting out his career to be able to share that with the world and see the love and support he's had um, no footballer should have to suffer in silence um, and you know he's he's obviously taken a huge step and you hope that if there are other gay footballers out there that they can follow in his footsteps um, because it is 2022 um, you know you have to get with the times I know there's going to be times you know Jake's going to have this thing where he's going to go to away grounds and he might get taunted but those people those individuals need to have a good hard long look at themselves because you know society has moved on um, you need to you know these older generation people that don't accept this need to have a good hard long look at themselves and you know all credit to Jake for you know coming out um, and being never be the first one to really be honest and be open and you know I'm so happy for him that now he's getting the love and support and you know his teammates his club everyone are getting behind him this is the thing though as well like you say it's brave um, David and like that's fair enough he's a 17 year old right if you're a 17 year old kid nowadays it's not like being a 17 year old in the 80s like you know to, as you as you say David things have changed and for him to even think that it would be any way like rational for him to suppress this and not live his life and suppress it in the dressing room and then like all the rumours that might like come out of that like that this was even even any way um, of a choice like this should just be I mean how many I mean since Justin Fashnu I mean how many thousands of footballers have there been like it's it's absolutely insane I don't think Jake Daniels like I, I, I think Jake Daniels will have a perfectly good life now I don't think he'll suffer from this um, at all relative to how much he would suffer if he suppressed it um, and you look at like some of the sporting people who've come out in Ireland and I think they'll all overwhelmingly say yeah I made the and actually it was an awful lot easier afterwards so it's kind of weird that this is still a thing but as I was just saying to Dan off air like I mean I, d- I don't know any out footballer in the League of Ireland for example and I presume if you if you have 400 League of Ireland footballers I presume there is one but so it's still seemingly a bit of a thing. Oh, it is a massive thing. Mm. Like you, you asked the question, why is it taking? Why do so many players come out gay when they retire? Um, we've seen that with Hitzelberger as an example. But it's I, I don't know. Is it a is it this bravado thing in change rooms where you know? Did you did you did you see a macho culture and a masculine culture in, in an inappropriate culture in dressing rooms, David? Did you experience that, or was it, or was it a mature, refreshing culture? There's a bit of everything, JD, in a, in a changing room um, in terms of cultures. Like I wouldn't have said, like I, I personally would have felt if anyone I played with over the years had come out as gay, that I know I would have supported them. Um, but I can't speak on behalf of other players and the cultures inside changing rooms are so different. 
Like I say to people, you know, people I meet in the street, in a pub, wherever it may be, you, you'll you never understand a changing room until you're actually inside one. Um, like even different scenarios that we've seen with fallouts, like a lot of stuff that goes on in change rooms is wouldn't, well, first up, it wouldn't be accepted in workplaces. Um, yes, it has changed a lot. Every kind of decade, it seems to change, but it's 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 a place that you know it is it is a bravado thing it's there's a lot of egos floating around and you know people have there will have been other there well i'm going to say there are probably other footballers who are and they feel they mightn't have the strength in them to come out and, and feel that they will be accepting their change room that it might create an awkward environment um and someone like jake coming out could end up being the catalyst all that that you know you will be accepted um but a change room can be a very difficult place. Is there just a relentless stream of banter in inverted commas? Yeah, and that's the big thing is where do you draw the line with banter? Um, and I can tell firsthand that in the change rooms I have been, there is no line for banter. It goes the whole way. Um, and some of it is, it does end up going too far. Um, like I, could, I know lads who have, you know, who've been injured, who've taken somebody's car and hit their car two miles away. Um, do you know what I mean? And then they, they hide their keys in the change room and the player comes back in after, gets showered and he can't find his car. Stuff like that. That that could be, well, it is a form of bullying, but in a football place, it's, you know, that's kind of some of the stuff you go on. If you have any, you know, current or past form of football or come on, they could probably tell you different stories of different things that have happened. I've seen a player's car parked on a training ground pitch inside the goal. And then the manager's gone absolutely ballistic because <laughs> this one individual got his car spray painted baby blue. Um, and the lads found it funny. I've seen lads, um, a different player has been out with his family at the cinema. I've seen, I know a group of lads that I played with that went and they covered his car in eggs and flour. And then he came out um, to find his car had been covered in all sorts. It's this. That's what I mean with the football environment. It's just totally different. Dan and I do a, a very successful podcast, JD, and we love it's the LOI we love podcast. A player to uh, reveal that uh, he's gay live on our show. We we could do with uh, the hits because um, I don't know, Dan. I, I I think if just say and again, okay, maybe there is nobody gay in the League of Ireland. Maybe whoever, but like if if uh, if somebody in the League of Ireland dressing room came out, I have. I've no doubt that yeah. all the pairs would rally around him. Like, I think they're. I think you have to be like wary of like. Portray- I know it's only a joke, but like portraying it as like you know this would be good for, good for publicity. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I think no, that I, I know. like I know and I know what you're saying. I think there may be some players who just decide they don't. It, it, it in in one hand it could be they don't feel like they're able to do it, and one hand they may feel like they don't they want their life to just remain private yeah. as well too like you know people yeah, that's the will, other thing it shouldn't even matter di- like. people will have different reasons you know yeah. for, for different things um, you know there's all sorts of sort of situations in people's life that they might just decide well this is my work why, why should this matter yeah. you know but I think like culture is obviously the, the word as well like too and it's something becomes an accept- like I understand people say why is this even a story like it's a disgrace it's a story but it's really really important this story the Jake Jones one because it makes it easier potentially for the next one 
you know and that's it has to reach the point where it's sort of where it doesn't become a big deal anymore so um, Justin Fashion who committed suicide like, no I mean like this, that, was, that, was, that was completely separate too yeah but like he was a complex man and like no, was complete, there are a lot of people he was under investigation though, you know, yeah but there, there, there are a lot of people who have suffered um, and I think Dan is right it is very it is very very important these things yeah so, like, and of course like you know the you know the like the the the, the football environment is is sort of is, it is very unique. I mean, you know, I suppose there's probably people in other workplaces with sort of gay workmates where you know it if it just becomes a part of their discussion. It just has to be normalised over time. Do you know what I mean? It, players just have to become a little more used to having players around their dressing room who are open about that. And there's still a road to travel for that. I mean, the fact that it's taken this long, I'm not sure like to describe it as, say, some kind of turning point, which no one has. I still feel it's like it's still a 17-year-old footballer starting this journey and it's terrific. But um, there's, still, there's still a way to go. But then, I mean, you know, you have a situation where like the World Cup this year is going to a country where yeah. they wouldn't even be welcome albeit with a female referee mm. uh, goal is between Rangers and Hearts in the Scottish Cup final Sutherland 2 Wickham nil in the league uh, one playoff final um, is there a match fixing problem Dan in the League of Ireland um, oh, like, you've got three minutes Dan uh, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, um, you generally do the League of Ireland stuff in about three minutes yeah yeah <laughs> I know I mean this is obviously a very serious story this week um, you know it, it's a historical investigation but I mean it's only a couple of years ago and it does also I mean you know two people taken into custody this week and this is a fact are current players in the league so um, you know we will see what happens I mean you know all ten men that were in this week which included seven people who've played in the league um, with all the activity centred around um, matches involving one club I mean they've been released and a file has been prepared and we'll see what comes from it um, I don't believe that there's like some kind of rife um, ongoing problem JD but I, I also know that um, the league has had instances in the last decade that would be alarming and it is an environment where temptation would potentially be there um, because there's a lot of money to be made and in leagues where people are earning small money unfortunately um, you may have um, there's a danger of sort of bad eggs you know infiltrating uh, a dressing room and causing problems just, just but, briefly on that yeah. Dan if I've, if I've time Jilly I think like this was a, a very good week to see that three years later that something like this will be investigated and it's very very difficult um, for any player to get away with this now because it, there, there's so much traceability as well so if, if something does come out like you will there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that will be there and it, it, it will definitely discourage anyone from doing this skin and I'd really like to laud like the, the Gardaí for this operation I think they're, they're doing a good thing for football in this country I don't think it's an issue really at all anymore and it's partly because of what they did this week Okay um, just uh, before we say goodbye uh, to celebrate bringing the football pod on the road we were today giving you a chance to win two tickets to join Tommy Rooney Paddy Andrews James O'Donoghue and special guests at the Royal Theatre Castle Bar on June the 2nd a bit earlier on we asked you to name this mystery voice No, I'm not a regular sandwich maker Course, me all Congratulations to Gronya Kelly from Castlereagh, Kenny Roscommon. You've won a pair of tickets to the event, Gronya. Fair play. Be a brilliant night of football chat. Plenty of focus on Mayo. The football pod of Paddy, James, and Tommy in Castlebar. Thursday, June the 2nd. Tickets 20 euro plus booking fees. Go to otbsports.com forward slash events now if you want to get your hands on them. David Myers, he got the whole academy uh, going uh, up now, and we'll talk about it again. Are you going to Anfield tomorrow? No. Nope. you be watching um, at home? No, I'm uh, going to Paris though, so oh. I'll take that. Oh, I'm going to Paris. That's all right. You got your ticket? I've got my ticket. Yeah, so I'm going to Paris, so that's the one I wanted to go to because 
Um, we're going on holidays as well. So um, the wife has said to me, you can leave off tomorrow. So I'll just sit at home and I'll be plumped in front of the telly for the afternoon. I'll watch it and please God, I'll win. And just briefly, you've got about a minute to talk about this uh, Hull Academy. Well, you say Hull Academy. It's my academy. Sorry, um, sorry, David. It's in Hull. It's obviously just in Hull. Um, look, it's just something, JD, I've always wanted to do. Um, obviously, I, I've started my journey into coaching. Obviously, I'm involved with the underage in Ireland. Um, my son is three now. Um, and basically, I used to take him to a thing. I won't name the name for legal reasons. Um, and one Saturday morning, I took him and there was no kids there. Um, just the coaches and I kind of said where is everyone and they said oh well nobody's turned up um, so I wasn't best pleased um, and I decided to go about it and create my own academy so I've got um, a few people helping me I'm hoping to launch it in the start of July I'm just trying to nail down all the coaches because I'll probably need about 10 coaches it'll be based from under 4s to under 14s um, it'll be on once a week 2 hours of training um, and then depending on numbers, how far I'll progress, whether I turn into kind of a local side around here. And then fingers crossed that all goes well. And then I'll look to launch one in Cork towards the end of this year, maybe next year. Best luck with it, David. And thanks for today. Cheers, gents. Speak to you soon. Enjoy Paris. And Dan and Johnny, thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. Uh, Dan McDonald, Johnny Ward, David Myler on Football Saturday today. We got to leave it there. We got run out of time. Sunderland two, Wickham nil. Rangers and Hearts in the Scottish Cup final, uh, going to extra time. It is goalless there after normal time. Don't forget off the ball back tomorrow, one until seven here on News Talk. Will O'Callaghan will be in the chair. The final day of the Premier League season. We will showcase live and exclusive commentary of the match between Manchester City and Aston Villa. Will City win the title or will it be Liverpool's crown? Stephen Doyle and Brian Carroll will be at the Etihad Stadium. We'll keep you right up. To date as well on everything that's happening at Anfield between Liverpool and Wolves. Going to be a fascinating afternoon kickoff for all the games at four o'clock. Also the Sunday paper review with Michael Darmacaudy, the former Dublin footballer, and Kieran Cunningham. Be checking in as well with Paddy Stapleton reporting on Tipperary versus Cork. And James Scahill is our man at Clare versus Waterford in the Munster Senior Hurling Round Robin. Be sure to join us tomorrow for some great commentary, reports and conversation. If you missed any of the Saturday panel, reviewing the sporting week with Roy Curtis, Maura Trastany Cali and Timmy McCarthy or any of OTB football Saturday with David Myler, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward. You can find the podcast of our content on the OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store now to download the app for iOS and Android or listen back wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll speak soon. Bye bye.